Welcome to the One Arm Minute, where we continue our hard target search for fun and facts through the minutes of the 1993 action classic, The Fugitive. I'm Susan. And I'm Roger. And this is minute number four of The Fugitive. The minute starts with Richard Kimball taking a last look at his home and ends with Kimball shaking hands with people he doesn't care about at all. Susan, how are you? It's great to be back for our second week. We made it. I know, we survived the first week and we're back. Not every podcast gets to this point. So (laughs) right away, I feel like we should give ourselves a pat on the back. Pat on the back. Well done, as I've got some exciting things that I want to definitely make sure we talk about in this minute. Um, We're going to do our cast spotlight this minute about our composer james newton howard because he's pretty awesome but i've got some other notes too i i challenge you because you're doing our before and afters now mm-hmm. do you re- did you really do a before and after for all six of the editors on this movie i did i did it for oh my uh, god for Stephen brown for dennis for david for dean for don for richard and D- Dove Hunik. You sound like Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting. Can you tell me the names of all your brothers again? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. So why don't you do that? And then I have a little fun fact about the editing of this movie. Well, um, Stephen Brown, uh movie before this was Falling Down and Past was uh post was past tense. Okay. Um Dennis uh before was under siege. Uh and after was only the strong. So he's an Andrew Davis guy. He is, yep. Uh, David Fincher. Some of these names are great. Are you sure you're not just say David Fincher? This isn't him like moonlighting. No, no, no. Uh, I mean, maybe it could be his like as is the name I use when I do editing. I don't know. My name is David Fincher. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead. Before was boxing Helen. Just oh wait, wait, hold on. Was it boxing Helena? Oh, Bob, probably boxing Helena. Oh my goodness! Have you ever seen this movie? I've not, but I know of it. <laughs> Tell me what. Uh, Listeners, we're about to spoil Boxing Helena right now. Tell me what you know about the basic premise of this movie. Isn't it a woman who has, like, I, I might be mixing up Boxing Helena and uh, parts of, like, an X Files episode, but isn't it like a woman is kept in a box and she doesn't have, like, arms and legs? The arms and legs thing might be. Yes. No, this is, this is Julian Sands, who, for whatever reason, decides that he's going to basically make captive, uh, I believe it's Sherilyn Fenn. Uh, skin flick queen of the 1990s by literally over the course of the movie dismembering her. That's what I thought. It's 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 something. I haven't seen that movie in a while. I'm sorry. I had. I to think I only it. know of it as like yeah, out in the zeitgeist as being like a deeply disturbing movie. It's uh, it's and, it's not good, but it yeah. is disturbing. And also rest in peace. First sorry. movie I saw him in was Warlock with Richard E. Grant, which is a movie that is terrible, which I also actually adore. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie Sorcerer with Roy Scheider? No. Speaking of movies named after magic users that right. probably also are not about actual magic. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we had Warlock like on beta something like that. Of course you did because you had every format. Okay, <laughs> yeah, keep going. Format. I'm sorry. I interrupted so, again. Keep going with our cavalcade of it. Uh, Dean Goodhill was sort of my last name, but not quite. Uh, before was a movie called Knights and after The Curse of the Starving Glass. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and I think I think you mentioned. Did you mention four names or five? I wasn't keeping track. Uh, we've got we're all watching. Stephen, Dennis, David, and Dean. Next is Don Brochu. Uh-huh. Uh Beyond the Law and Under Siege were before, and On Deadly Ground was after. Those are all Andrew Davis movies. Well, mm-hmm. two of them are Steven Seagal movies. I don't know if Andrew Davis did uh, On Deadly Ground. I'd have to. Yeah, check I don't that. know either. 
But that was Steven Seagal classic. Yeah. Next is Richard Nord, or Nah, as we would say in French. Uh, before was pa- Passenger 57, and after is Pentapola. And the award for best name this minute is Dove Hunik, or Hunik, H O E N I G. Before was Under Siege, and after was The Crow. So, uh, in case you noticed, there's a lot of editors on this movie. There like, are a lot. There's of like six times more editors than there are on a lot of movies that, you know, are widely regarded as even being even better than this one. Just do you know why? Yes, I do, because they had no time. That's right. Um, so, yeah. So apparently they not only did they shoot this movie in like two months, uh, less than two months, um, but they had they had, the the studio like pushed up the release date, so they had to get this thing out the door. So that's why they brought in. Yeah, so but, they have to, I think they paired them off, like paired the editors off, and it put them like, okay, you two sit at this avid machine, and you two sit at that avid machine, and go go go. Yeah, and so it's like, and I I don't think the movie suffers for it. I actually think it's it's very well edited. Uh, it's it's a tight movie. Like there's not a lot of uh, space in this movie where nothing happens. You know what I mean? It's like you don't sit and settle in the movie at any point. It's just like go 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 go. Okay, we're now we're that's a murder, and now there's a train, and now there's an escape, and now there's a chase, and now there's just one thing after another. I mean, the editing was good enough that all six so this this uh, sextet of, of editors they were all nominated for the Oscar, um, which you know must have been exciting that night to have to read all those names, but they didn't win. No. Okay, so Wait, after we do we have one more, we have one, one, one more credit, which is um, production design, mm-hmm. uh, which is Dennis Washington. Uh, his movie before was Nowhere to Run, and his movie after was Angels in the Outfield. Oh wow! Okay, that's one <laughs> of the bit one of, of chip the, and tone. <laughs> one of the amazing, really bad sports movie sports movies involving kids that also seem to crop up like crabgrass in this decade. Yes. Um, Blame the Bad News Bears. Well, that's from like the 1970s. But that was the um, I, I don't have very much to say about the production design in this movie. I mean, it, it's it's good. Um, I, I mean, as we mentioned in a previous minute, like the design for the apartment that they're in is based on an actual apartment. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine. Um, I don't have too much to say about that. Um, I would love to talk a little bit about Captain Exposition, a.k.a. the newscaster in this minute. Is that right? Yes, the trope of having a newscaster tell us what's going on. (laughs) So I have some facts about this guy. The actor who plays newscaster is this guy named John Drummond, which I want to talk about, John, in a moment. But, like, what do you think about this? Do you feel like he's giving us a realistic quantity of information? He says at least twice that details are sketchy. <laughs> Not for him. And, but then gives us exceptionally precise information and seems to know more than the cops, <laughs> more than Kimball himself. But, you know, details are sketchy. I mean, I was trying to think about this because, you know, it, it is certainly, I think, a an actual true fact that a lot of news reporters have police scanners. Um, and so, you know, it's it is very possible that they could have intercepted the entirety the entirety of Helen Kimball's disastrous nine one one call. Yeah. Um, but he's got he's got lots of extra facts here. He does. Like I don't know if he's if, this, if he's talked to someone if he's just making it up or if just because it's movie trope and he just is on is the omnipotent. I'm, I'm just say omnipotent. 
That's not correct. Omniscient. Omniscient narrator. I kind of think so. I've been I've been thinking this over in my head because I don't want to I don't want to criticize the movie for doing this. Um, it it kind of feels like, and we brought this up last time. Um, it, th- maybe this is an homage to the TV series, um, which I've never watched, as I think I said last week. But one of the things about the the TV series begins with like a paragraph of voiceover narration before every episode right. um, that essentially it's way shorter than this, but it's basically just like Dr. Kimball, his wife died, he's convicted of the murder, and now he's on the run. Um, it's pretty common for that era. It's like, you know, like, uh, it, like the same thing with like the 18, for example. Yeah. Um, so just, I want to, I want to fact check my man, John Drummond here though. Um, he says, he says he's reporting from the North side of Chicago. Um, but he, then he says that Richard Kimball is going to be taken to the area six, six precinct, which for those of you who live in Chicago probably know is actually on the South side. Um, who wouldn't Andrew Davis, the son of Chicago know that you would think so. And the police station that he says that they're going to take him to is actually on the North side. So there's some geographic challenges hmm. in his in his little recap there. Um, but my favorite fact about this guy, so John Drummond, he's a real Chicago newscaster. Oh, he, he sounds like one. Mother than lay for it. Yeah. So much like a lot of the reporters that we're going to see in various scenes, including, spoiler alert, we're going to get to see current NBC News anchor Lester Holt very later, very late in this movie. Um, but he was a newscaster who worked in Chicago for 30 years. So really, he's just playing himself in this minute. Um, and his nickname is Bulldog. <laughs> this guy was known as Bulldog because because his main beat in Chicago was organized crime. Yeah. I can't think of a riskier thing to do as a journalist than to report on organized crime in Chicago. What have you got to report today, John, on, on organized crime? <laughs> Nothing. Everything's great. Yeah, nothing to see here. There's nope. no crime in Chicago. Nope, I'm just gonna get in my Lamborghini and head home. No, apparently, I mean, but apparently he did. Like he's he's the bulldog. He's a pretty intense guy. He appears at the end of the movie as well. Spoilers. Yes, you hear, you hear his voice at the end. Oh, you're right. Good point. Good point. Um, that's all I've got before we have to before we get to this amazing fundraiser. Um, do you have anything anything before we kind of switch locations? Nope. Okay. Um, and we don't, granted, we actually don't get to see very much of the fundraiser in this minute. So I think probably we'll talk more about it uh, on Wednesday. Yeah. But I will mention the amazing song that I plays over the next few weeks. Oh, yeah. So do you want to tell our listeners what this song is? It's called Tahiti Tahiti. <laughs> yes. By a French group called Voyage. I'm assuming it's pronounced Voyage and not Voyage. <laughs> yeah. French. Uh, I looked. Is- but I looked up the words because I'm like, I, I'm fluent in French, don't understand what they're saying. So I looked up the words. It's not any French that I know. So I don't know if it's Creole French or what kind of French it is. I think it might just be fake French. It's possible. It's very possible. I mean, it could also be some Tahitian dialect that I don't know about. This is called Tahiti Tahiti. That's possible. I mean, isn't there sort of like a longstanding connection between the French and Tahiti? Probably some horrible French colonial inspirations. But yeah. Because yeah, I even tried taking some of the lyrics and putting them into like a translator. And it, just, it, it was like, nope. <laughs> I, it, it probably the lyrics probably just say like we love LeMay give us more yes. LeMay well, all of the golds bring it yes yes shiny 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 
Um, and that's all I got about the action in this minute before we get to talk about our our, uh, our uh, composer here. Do you have anything else before we get to James Newton Howard? No, let's jump into the fascinating man that is James Newton Howard. He's great. Uh, we talked. We started talking about him last week because um, his credit was on Friday. Yeah. But let's talk about it. Rattles the minutes. <laughs> um, he's a pretty big deal as a composer. In fact, I'm going to go so far as to say he may be in the leader in the clubhouse for best currently working film composer never to have won an Oscar. Okay. Um, I'm glad you I'm glad that you said he put on the caveat at the end of never never have won an Oscar because I was going to go to bat for John Williams. No, 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 no. So, you know, but listen to this. So here's just a little bit of his CV. He has scored more than 100 films, which is great. He has a Grammy for The Dark Knight and an Emmy for the TV show Gideon's Crossing, which I believe I've heard of. Um, he's been nominated for nine Oscars with no win so far. He's 0 for 9. Here are his nominees, nominations, including this movie. So The Fugitive, The Prince of Tides, Junior, <laughs> One Fine Day, My Best Friend's Wedding, The Village, Michael Clayton, Defiance, and News of the World. A lot of these are big movies, and he is still kind of waiting, waiting to hear his name called. So I hope, I hope that happens sometime for him, because for, for sure he deserves to win. He's still, you said he's still working, right? Oh, of course. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's constantly, I think he's constantly in demand. Um, let's see, what's the, What's the I most recent thing that he's done? That he toured with Elton John. He did? He did. He toured with it. He was because he was a session mu musician for a number of years. Oh, right. He was, mm -hmm. he was a session musician for like Diana Ross, Ringo Starr, Toto. Toto. He and he toured as, um, uh, I want to say strings for Elton John, but I don't know that for an absolute fact. But he, he was on like a world tour with Elton John. He's got credits all the way up through last year. So I feel like, I feel like it's just a matter of time. Maybe he just has to get himself attached to the right project. Um, his first movie that he scored is um, David Lynch's Dune. Yep. <laughs> Have you seen this movie? No, I haven't. Fantasy's not really my thing. Uh, and I'm guessing you didn't see the the Dune one. that came out, Denis Villeneuve? No. Okay. No. Well, David Lynch's Dune is just a hot mess. <laughs> that movie of it now just like what is this that movie is uh crazy as a bag of cats um but you got to get your start somewhere and actually i think the the score for that uh movie is is pretty good what are some of them because i know you did some research on him too you mentioned dave last week what are some of the other movies that he's worked on that you enjoy Pretty Woman, I think, has to be up yes somewhere uh -huh. <laughs> i'm surprised that wasn't nominated for something yeah, well, I mean, they couldn't nominate it for. I don't know if they. I don't know yeah, if it's, this... because a lot of the music is uh, adapted, is adapted music, or or just like you know, Roy Orbison. <laughs> right. I don't know if that rock set song that they play at the end. It must have been Love was original to the movie. I don't know that it was nominated for any. Yeah, um, any... it certainly was a big hit in the in the charts. For sure. Um, anything else that's on your... I added on single at some point. God, uh, oh, cassette singles. Bunny... He, was, he was married to Rosanna Arquette, which is pretty amazing. And he dated Barbara Streisand. 
He's a power dater in the music world. Apparently. <laughs> he also worked on uh, Waterworld. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm going to mention this movie now. And listeners, you can play a drinking game because I know I'm going to mention this several times over the course of the next several months. He worked uh, as the composer for the movie Primal Fear. Another amazing Chicago movie. Um, have you seen this one? This is the, the actually this is the courtroom thriller with Richard Gere and the big break for Edward Norton. Yeah, I, I know the title, but I, I really don't know anything about it. Strongly encourage you to watch that. I give that three thumbs up. I'm writing it down. But it's a it is a very Chicago movie, and so as we start to mention all of sort of the the Chicago people. Um, that kind of crop up in this movie. A lot of them are going to also have credits in Primal Fear because they did yeah, like that. That movie was also shot on location in Chicago and right. more or less a very, around the same time as this one. Have you ever been to Chicago? Yes, I have. Me too. Um, not much, just once, I think. Uh, I've actually been, I actually stayed in the hotel where the finale is. Really? Yeah, I didn't realize it until after. <laughs> Isn't that the, is it the Four Seasons? No, it's the Hilton. The Hilton, okay. Yeah, the Hilton Towers, or think, um, like that, yeah. He worked on King Kong, um, which I think yep. is, um, what, Peter Jackson's King Kong, um, and pretty much all of M. Night Shyamalan's movies. Yeah, I saw there's a whole list of them. Like, all of them. So since, since M. Night Shyamalan has, I think, a unique distinction among film directors as having a never-ending continuous decline in the Rotten Tomato scores of his movies, um, are there any M. Night Shyamalan movies that you would say that you especially enjoy? I'm going to not surprise anyone when I say I've only seen one of his movies. Uh, let me guess. Was it The Sixth Sense? No. Which one? The Last Airbender. Oh no! Yes, because I love I love the cartoon. Yeah, love but that cartoon. movie is so bad. I know. I'm not saying it was good. I'm just saying it's the only one I've seen. So bad. bad. <laughs> All right. Well, you should watch The Sixth Sense. It's one of those movies that I've always wanted to watch, but I mean, I know how I know the twist. It's not a scary movie. No, no, no. no. Um, and it's really well done. So you could watch that one. I think right. I'm writing it down next to Primal Fear. I think Unbreakable is okay. And then I think after that, it's just starts to get real bad. Yeah. Um, but but I think the problem was with M. Night Shyamalan is that he he started out with this huge, huge hit. He had nowhere to go but down. That's <laughs> true. You're known, you're known for, like, the thing about the sixth sense that everyone loved was the twist, right? I and think then, that's his problem. That's the problem. He tries to put a twist in every movie, and he... You can't you can't rebottle that. That's right. And that's how you get movies like The Happening and like, yeah. oh. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, this is not this podcast is not about M. Night Shyamalan. Let's talk about someone who produces quality work, James Newton Howard. I think the score for this movie is tremendous. So did the Academy. What what do you like best about this score? Um, like in just in terms of sort of what it what do you think it adds to the movie? I think it adds an additional layer of suspense and like I don't want to use the word anxiety. It's not the right word. It's it, 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 it like it keeps giving you tense, you know. I think it does add anxiety to the movie. Yeah. In 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 scenes where there is sort of a lot of like where you're on the edge of your seat, wondering like if you know if something if Campbell's going to get about to get caught or you know something like that. Leap into a waterfall, <laughs> like off a dam. <laughs> Um, and he does, he, he uses a lot of strings in moments like that to like really kind of sort of like, he's like a, 
from the Hans Zimmer school of like, let's let's amp things up with a bunch of violins. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love strings. I, I, think, do, uh, I think James Newton Howard, I think that's sort of his specialty is the strings. Um, but I also think, too, that the, the score in this movie is really good in the quiet parts, too. Um, you know, I, I think it just kind of helps. It helps. It helps set the the right tone, um, yeah. you know, for the different parts of the movie, for sure. And that's why, you know, the intro and outro of, of all these episodes um, are are just clips taken from um, scenes in this movie. Yes. He is great. That's all I have about him. Uh, One interesting fact that I did read about him was that um, his father, his birth name or his father's name was Horowitz. Hmm. Um, but his dad didn't want anyone to know that he was Jewish. I'm assuming he wasn't that practicing Jew. So he changed his name to Howard. And it was only in how when Howard was in his adulthood that I think after his father had actually passed away that he discovered that he was Jewish. And that he actually converted from Protestantism. Protestantism. He was Protestant. <laughs> and omniscient. And omniscient. And he converted back to Judaism. It's a shame that people feel like they have to change their name like that. Yes. I, I blame myself um, as someone who's in that position of not having to do that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I remember reading that too. I mean, this would have been because um, James Newton Howard was born in 1951. So if this was pre before he was born, this would have been right after World War II. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That it's makes a sense. very different time. So not that things have gotten much better, but this is a very different time. That's all I've got for this minute, Susan. What about you? I believe that's all. I mean, just double check my notes. Yeah, I think that's everything. All right. Well, it's your turn this week to uh, put a bow on today's episode. Hi, a nice little neat bow around it. Well, thank you once again for listening to another episode of the One-Armed Minute. Please, if you can, rate and review us on your favorite podcatching app. We will shout out any five-star reviews on these here airwaves. Come and join us on Facebook at Tem- Tempest Fugitive, the One-Armed Minute search team. We're also on Twitter, or whatever it's called today, at One-Armed Minute. And you can email us at minute at gmail.com. So remember, until next time. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care.